This case centers around two girls from a wealthy town in California. On the outside, it seems like they both live pretty similar lives. They go to the same school, are part of the same club, and they know the same people. But the differences between the two would not only set them apart, but would also become deadly. We are your hosts, Sherry Ferreira and Helen Allen. This is The Chalk Line. Good evening, everyone, and the highlights of the news this Thursday. So, Kristen Casas was a 15-year-old girl in 1984. She attended Miramont High School in Orinda, California, and was very active in the community and with her school activities. Specifically, one group that she was a part of called the Bobolinks. I couldn't like, say that. Thank God. Thank God they chose to go by the Bobbies instead, because I was not about to go full episode saying Bobolinks. I just wasn't. I wouldn't have it. I couldn't, no. I couldn't even say it with a straight face. But it was like an exclusive sorority type group, and they did volunteer work for the school. So it was pretty cool. And her parents were notable members of the community, and they just happened to be very wealthy. She also had a little brother named Peter. Kristen often attended cheerleading camp, and while she was away this particular summer, her parents got a phone call from someone who simply identified themselves as another Bobby. And they asked if Kristen could, could go to a dinner with the group later that weekend. And her parents, like not thinking much of it, said that she could go and they were told that someone would pick Kristen up and that the plans were like to be kept secret. Which already I'm like, huh? I mean, (laughs) I guess I just like have the mindset of like being cautious in 2021. And I feel like I'm constantly being like, it was a different time. But like, in what world would you get a phone call being like, hey, I am to remain anonymous, but I would like to pick up your daughter. But also don't tell a damn soul. And her mom's just like, oh, yeah, that's cool with me. Have her home by like 1030. Like, um, I don't know. I just feel like as a mother, my alarm bells would be like triggered. No, like fully. I can't wrap my head around the idea of just being okay with this like little amount of information, not knowing anything. Right. So anyways, Kristen gets home a couple days later. And like the mysterious caller said, someone did come by to pick her up. And the person waiting in the car for her was Bernadette Prati. To put it lightly, Bernadette was a She was also 15 and in the Bobbies. But her parents came from a different and more humble background than Kristen. And while that's fine, it wasn't to Bernadette. She was constantly letting that be like a roadblock in a sense for her. Like she never fully accepted that her financial status didn't have to define her. And she felt like hindered by it and spiteful of people who had more than her. She just like always had this obsession to be liked by people, which kind of created a lot of animosity between her and her peers. And like, I mean, it's pretty normal for a high schooler, but Bernadette let these things get to her on like a whole nother level than your average high school girl. And this leads us to the days right before her dinner with Kristen. So she had tried out for the cheerleading squad, but was rejected. And she even wanted to be a part of the yearbook staff, but didn't get into that either. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think as someone who, like, 
never really faced rejection yet having these three big rejections in a row like really got to her but it's also like not to say that all high schoolers and teenagers don't experience rejection you know like it's a normal part of growing up and it's just kind of part of the pressures of high school yeah I mean it all just reaches a point that I guess is too much for her and like we said because she was so spiteful of people that had more than her she really had her sights out to like get even with Chris and she just couldn't handle comparing herself to her anymore. Yeah, because Kristen kind of had it all. Like, she was a Bobby, a cheerleader. Her parents were wealthy. And according to Bernadette, there was, like, some tensions between them. Like, I guess in the past, um, Kristen had commented on her outfit at, like, a school ski trip. Oh, yeah. Which I honestly, like, I kind of have to laugh. I mean, obviously, no form of bullying or, like, belittling someone is ever acceptable. And I'm not saying that, like, if this happened, Kristen is absolutely innocent innocent in like this particular thing but like just ignore her I mean like mean girls exist yeah like I mean we all had our share of like mean girls being rude to us and girls saying things that like bothered us but like here we are today no murder rap yeah no (laughs) completely nothing on my no still so normal I mean it's a part of life especially in high school Mm -hmm. and I mean we didn't say anyone got murdered just yet, but <laughs> you, yeah, no. But you could have expected this wouldn't end well. So it's June 23rd now, the night of the sketchy top secret dinner, and Kristen gets into the car with Bernadette. Which I'm almost like, how much tension could there really have been between them if Kristen willingly gets into the car with her? Yeah, that's what I kept thinking. Right, like I, I feel like even if Kristen did bully her, wouldn't that mean that, like, Kristen wouldn't want to hang out with her on the weekends? I just feel like the bully story doesn't really, like, hold any weight here. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's exactly to a T how I felt when I was researching this. Like, something is definitely off about Bernadette's side here. She definitely has a huge, like, poor me complex. And Mm -hmm. there are different accounts all over the place about where this dinner was. But a majority of them say that the girls were going to a local diner. And what's even more suspicious is that all accounts mention that something went wrong during the dinner and Kristen wanted to go home. I'm not sure if they got into a fight, but when they got to the dinner, Bernadette told her that Bobby's weren't actually going to be joining them. And I'm assuming that made Kristen feel really weirded out. Right. So she tries calling her parents on a payphone, but they don't answer. And eventually she just asks Bernadette to give her a ride home. Which initially I was like, what? the why would you ask for a ride home if she made you feel so weird like why not like wait it out at the diner for your parents to answer or whatever but then I'm also like oh like I guess like because you you don't ever assume that a regular girl you go to high school with is gonna murder you like it's (laughs) I mean it's so easy to think in hindsight like oh well if you felt that weird then why'd you ask her for a ride but like they're 15 and what 15 year old girl seems like a murderer you know yeah I think that's a good point to make because I'm sure a lot of people would get hung up on that and like the what ifs of this case but truly like at the end of the day there was nothing at all to indicate that Bernadette was going to be dangerous Mm -hmm. and like we said all the things that pushed Bernadette over the edge were very like mundane parts of being a teenager you know but They got into the car together and yet another fight broke out between the two of them. I guess they were passing by like a church and Kristen got out and fled to a nearby house. So she rang the doorbell and claimed to the owners of the house that her friend had gotten weird on her. After trying to call her parents a second time with no answer, she asked for a ride home. And the owners of the house are Alex and Mary Arnold. 
So the account of the fight from Bernadette's perspective is that Kristen wanted to smoke weed and Bernadette didn't. Which I also have a hard time wrapping my head around because I feel like if Kristen was the one that like wanted to smoke weed and Bernadette didn't, why would Kristen be the one in the situation who would have like fled to someone's house claiming that she felt like her friend quote unquote got weird? Like you don't flee to someone's house unless the situation you're in feels unsafe to you, right? No, yeah, it makes no sense at all to me. Like she would have to truly feel like unsafe and she needed to remove herself from the situation mm-hmm. to just leave like that and Bernadette's story just doesn't make any sense because they weren't even that close and she was okay with getting a ride from her to the diner, but was made to feel so uncomfortable that she would rather have strangers give her a ride home. A lot of stuff here doesn't make sense and it's just frustrating that we can't get Kristen's side of the story. Mm-hmm. I do think it's important to mention though that Mary does say she noticed a car at the end of the driveway as they are taking Kristen like at the door and talking to her. She says it was a mustard-colored Pinto, and she even noted that it followed Kristen when she came up the driveway. In which case, like, is that even weird? I I don't know. Like, if they were at the church and then they got into a fight and Kristen just, like, ran off, I don't necessarily think, like, it would be considered creepy or stalkerish that Bernadette drove after her. Like, to Mary's defense here, she's thinking, like, this is a case of two petty high school girls and they got into an argument and maybe Kristen is just like, oh, I can't even handle this anymore. And Bernadette is like following her be- being like, Kristen, get back in the damn car. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I don't think that's necessarily the situation that happened here, but I think to an adult that like doesn't know them, that's what I would personally assume was happening between these two high school girls, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess my, <laughs> me being paranoid, I would be like, okay, who the hell are you? And why are you so, like, bent on chasing after your friend? Like, <laughs> the whole situation is just weird. Yeah. But they arrive at Kristen's house and Alex asks if she's going to be all right. Probably because her parents aren't home, just making sure. And like you said, Alex isn't really assuming Kristen is in any real danger at this point because... They are just two 15-year-old girls, and he is under the impression that it was just a catty fight. Mm -hmm. But as Kristen is leaving the car, Bernadette gets out of the Pinto and stabs her with an 18-inch blade. Later on, Alex is said to have witnessed the girls fighting, but wasn't even sure that the girl who attacked Kristen was Bernadette. And regardless of still assuming that the girls were in a fight, like, at least maybe got into an argument, he leaves. And I mean, I know Alex is a total stranger, but he's the worst, right? (laughs) I mean, he is literally admitting that he thought that they were fighting. Why was he just like, all right, peace out? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't... My thought is like, why wouldn't he just poke his head out, like shine his headlights maybe? Mm -hmm. Like just as an adult in this situation, just see if everything's okay or tell them to knock it off. Yeah. But what comes next is so insane and messed up but Mm -hmm. Kristen had enough strength probably from swim and cheer because lord knows I'd have been a goner but (laughs) she lets out a scream asking for help and thankfully her neighbor Arthur Hillman hears her Arthur opens up his door and sees Kristen limping toward him and she shouts help me I've been stabbed before collapsing he immediately tries to stop the bleeding from her wounds and calls for an ambulance and he calls her parents and Kristen gets brought to a hospital But that same night, she would be pronounced dead. 
It's really like such a sad ending to this night that could have been so inconsequential, you know? Like, yeah, it's a lot of things. It just didn't have to, like, this is so senseless, you know? It didn't have to go this way at all. But yeah. so at this point, the investigation just goes cold. I mean, the police receive a description of the killer from Alex, you know, the worst witness of all time. <laughs> and Mary also was able to give a description of the car. On top of that, her parents knew that she was at this, like, mysterious Bobby dinner. So that narrows down the suspect pool to any Bobby with a mustard-colored pinto. But it would take them six months to identify Bernadette as the killer. Initially, she passed a lie detector. I don't know how. But after conducting numerous interviews, they started to find holes in Bernadette's alibi. When she was called back for questioning with the FBI, she continued to deny the accusations. But I guess like a couple days later, she was just kind of done with it and admitted to everything in a letter to her mother. Yeah, she detailed everything she did to Kristen, her thoughts about her, and how she felt inferior and embarrassed. She really outlines how she lured Kristen into going into this fake Bobby's dinner and killed her later that night. I mean, she literally wrote herself out to be a victim out of a couple of bad instances in her life. And Bernadette got tried with second degree murder, but only ended up serving seven. Honestly, I'm pissed. Like, I mean, I know that she's a young girl, but this is a girl who planned to murder her classmate a week in advance went out of her way to pick her up and did it in such a gruesome way, right in the comfort of her own yard. Like, I'm obviously conflicted on, like, how the justice system should treat minors because I know that, like, a mistake that you make at 15 may not define who you are forever. But I'm just, like, so blown away by how senseless this particular murder was. And I just feel like I don't know if seven years is enough here. I mean, I agree somewhat, but... Like you said, she was also just 15 at the time, you know? I'm sure yeah. I'm not coming out of, like, too far left field when I say that. I'm sure Bernadette had some deeper issues going on for this all to manifest into her committing this murder. I definitely believe she should get help to better cope with rejections or mm -hmm. to not take, like, small hindrances to an extreme. I mean, being released at 23 could mean she gets to turn things around. Yeah, you're right. Like, I mean, this definitely is a case where I do think that Bernadette could have benefited from some therapy. But I also have to, like, err on the side of, like, an innocent girl's life here was taken. And as much as Bernadette may have been dealing with, like, plenty of high schoolers deal with that stuff every day and choose not to murder their classmates over it. Which is also true. <laughs> and, like, even to this day, there are countless blogs that are, like, devoted to finding out Bernadette's real name because when she was released, she changed it. And they even try to find out her current job position and where she lives. It's very stalkerish, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's very stalkerish. But I just think a lot of people like us are so curious as to where her mental state is today and how she is functioning as a member of society. Yeah, this case um, specifically, I think, was just like such a grab for the media. Like they really took a story of a poor girl who is spiteful of a rich girl and they just like ran with it. Countless renditions of this story were made into movies and the judge was even quoted as saying, quote, this case smacked of entertainment. <laughs> oh, oh my God, yeah. And just like three years after this case, there was a movie called Landscape Suicide that was based on this story. And then the most notable was A Friend to Die For Slash Death of a Cheerleader that was released 10 years later and is still 
so referenced to this day. And then the CW even made their own remake of it. So, I mean, it's just crazy how much people and the media love this case. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) what I forgot to mention was that during the trial, Bernadette's sister claims that the 18-inch knife was hers and that she used it to cut up vegetables. (laughs) (laughs) That's not blood. That's just tomato juice. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at thechalklinepod. Twitter at thechalklinepod. And be sure to check out our website. The link is in our Instagram bio. Tune in next Thursday for another story.